Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, the utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So we, in your regular handout, we're on page, the second to last page, and it's not in that notes. <laughs> so this is the last section of that, of that part. And so we started this la- uh, two weeks ago, and uh, so it's the heritage blessing, uh, blessings of the ambassadors of God. Paul asked uh, for prayers for himself that God would give him boldness uh, as an ambassador in bonds, and uh, all of us that have been saved are ambassadors of God. So serving the Lord, even with persecutions, will be the best life anyone can have. And, and I guess part of the reason why we've been looking at this topic is just because a lot of us, just by virtue of being human beings, avoid conflict. We don't want difficulties or challenges or conflict. Uh, I want to watch movies about action heroes and their conflicts, but I don't want conflict. <laughs> I would love to be the hero, but I don't want to go through the conflict. That's just human nature. But... The life of a Christian serving God in even in the midst of conflicts, persecutions, troubles, tribulations, trials, all of it, that life will be the best life that any Christian can have. So number one is the love and joy from God. That, uh, while we serve, no man can separate us from and is inherent blessing to God's ambassadors. So we're not going to re-go over all this, but I am going to read the passage again. Romans chapter 8 and uh, verse 31. Please turn there with me. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Romans 8, 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we started this last uh, two weeks ago that uh, we the, the first part was God for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Number two, all things given to us because of Christ. In verse 32, if, if God gave us his son and, and spared not his own son, uh, but gave him that, he will, he'll give us anything else. That's, or, I'm sorry, he'll give us everything else. 
And so uh, all things given to us because of Christ. Number three, God justifying us. And uh, we, we talked about that last week, but I had another thought about that in Romans chapter 4, just a few chapters back. Romans 4, verse uh, 23 through 25. Romans 4:23. Now it was not written for his sake alone, so it's talking about Abraham and how it was imputed to him for righteousness, for believing in him. In, in him. Uh, believing that he was able to perform that which he promised. But now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. And I just think it's interesting that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is connected to our justification. Uh, And I I had this note about that, that uh, uh, Christ rose to our justification. And so there's I, I think there's a whole world beyond uh, behind this verse or what it means. Uh, it says it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, for the, from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses, and was raised again for our justification. And uh, Jesus's resurrection is proof of God's ability to justify and raise us up also. So if. God the Father was able to raise his son from the dead. That means every promise he made to us about not just being saved, but being justified is is complete. It's all within his power to do that. Not only to to say I put your sins away, uh, not only to spare us hell, but to justify us in Christ Jesus. Melissa and I were talking on the way over about how wonderful that passage is where Moses said, uh, uh, I beseech thee, Lord, show me thy glory. And, of course, God said that no man could see his face and live, but he said, there is a place by me. And that place, of course, we know as, as a, that there's a place cleft in the rock. And, uh, and the Bible is, a, is the perfect, um, um, what do they call it, commentary of itself. <laughs> it teaches itself that rock was Christ. That's who we are in, in Christ. We are put Inside of Jesus, we are put in that place of safety. And the Bible says that God put his hand over the cleft of the rock and he passed by and he proclaimed the name of the Lord. And then he opened his hand up and let let Moses see God's glory as he passed by. And folks, it's such a beautiful thing that God reserves for us all these blessings, not just salvation. Thank God for that. But not just being spared hell, but so much more and being justified in Jesus Christ. It is a, a wonderful gift that God gives to us. And so moving on to the to number four in your notes is none can condemn us. And uh, so we kind of hinted at that already. But uh, Romans chapter eight and verse thirty four, um, it says, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. And, you know, I, I, I'm very thankful for this passage in that, you know, it doesn't say, don't worry, nobody will ever condemn you. Actually, the question is, who will condemn you and what will his case be? Considering that we have, you know, and, and, and of course, the, the wonderful truth of being a Christian isn't that I never sinned. You know, no, but there's that one person in this room, in this church, in this country in the world who can say, I have not sinned. <laughs> there are people that think they have, or think that they're righteous like that. But the truth is, is, we've all sinned. And the truth is, is we know that our own hands, our own feet have disobeyed God, 
broken his commandments, trespassed against him, and trespassed against each other. Not a human on planet earth is not guilty of many of those sins. And yet, again, in Christ Jesus, I have been made innocent and justified in God's eyes. And it's not that God just pretends that we never sinned. It's that the sins were removed. The, the taint of sin was removed. We're cleansed and purified and justified in Christ Jesus. And so now the, 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 the thought is, is I, yes, I have sinned. But Jesus removed the, the, the taint of the sin, the cost of the sin Christ paid for. And now the Father sees me specifically through the lens of having been purchased by the blood of Christ. Amen. So there's nothing, nothing that anybody can say against me or any other child of God that can stick before God. Now listen, if I go and rob a bank and they say, you robbed a bank, you're going to jail. I will go to jail, <laughs> but before God, and listen, folks, that's the big deal. You could look at Paul. Paul was a, a man rising through the ranks in Jewish hierarchy and Jewish society. He met Christ and everything turned around, including his, his, uh, his, uh, <laughs> his, his big dealness. What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> His prestige, his, his all of the honors that he had, that also went away when he met Christ. And he became uh, persecuted. He became a sufferer. And the Lord Jesus said that he would show him how great things he must suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul, Paul went from being an, a rising star in, in Jewish uh, authority to becoming a servant suffering for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said all that to say this. Where is Paul now? He is in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you could ask him now, hey, Paul, would you like to go back to your life, to that day you met Jesus? And instead of becoming the suffering servant for Christ, would you like to have stayed in that rising ladder of gaining uh, preeminence and power and prestige with the Jewish community? Would you like to go back and get all that back? What would Paul say to that? He would say, there is no contest between what I have in Jesus Christ. And you could even make the case when he's suffering. And, then, you know, I think it's Philippians chapter three or four, where he lists the many things he had suffered for the name of Jesus Christ. And he was saying then that it was worth it. That Jesus's name is worth the suffering. And folks, that's the message to us. And despite all these things, and again, we went back to this thought of, of, you know, if someone could say, Brett, here are some of your sins. How about, how about just the sins you committed in the last week? Let's list those things. Now listen, those things are things that I actually committed, but in Christ and before God's throne, I am clean. I am justified. And so, and this, this brings us to <laughs> the heart of the matter. <laughs> no matter the commendation, condemnation, or who it comes from, Christ's stripes are the constant, completely sufficient answer to every condemnation. Outside of Christ, there is no answer for any condemnation. And listen, folks, that's that's the message that we need God to give us. I, I, you know, you guys just heard me struggling for words a minute ago. You know, 
we often fear that we're not going to have the right words to say. Listen, God can overcome all that, and it doesn't matter. But the point is, is that we need to be able to convey this thought, that with Christ, no condemnation. That's, those were Jesus' own words in John chapter 3. Turn there with me. John chapter 3. And I think we read this a couple of weeks ago as well, but hey, it's all good. <laughs> John chapter 3, verse 18. This is the Lord Jesus' words. He that believeth on him, talking about verse 17, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And folks, it's such a marvelous thing that we could never get to the bottom of the meaning and the depth of what it means that before you know Christ, every charge sticks. All the condemnation is there. And we are condemned and there's no hope outside of Christ. Having met Christ and believed in Him, received Him as your Savior, it's interesting that now all those things that are true about what I have been guilty of in the past, they're all gone. Before God's throne, I'm innocent and clean and justified. And now every condemnation... And, it, and a man can condemn you. And a man can say, you shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. And of course, if you're, if you're, if you're <laughs> a fair person, you'll say, you're right. I shouldn't have done that. It was wrong. That's between men and men. But before God's throne, when Satan comes up and says, did you see what Brett did today? Now listen, folks. <laughs> the truth is, is Satan does this. Let me, let me read with you uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, who accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. So the Bible is very clear that Satan is constantly coming to God's throne and making accusations against me about what I have actually done. But every one of them, every time Satan says, did you see what Brett did? And folks, listen, the Bible's very clear. It's happening right now. <laughs> Satan is coming before God's throne and making a case for my judgment, making a case for why I should be condemned. And every single time, look, turn with me, I want you to see this. Isaiah chapter 53, Isaiah chapter 53, in verse 5. A familiar passage to some of us, but chapter Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. <clears throat> Give you guys just a second. Isaiah 53, verse 5. I'm going to back up to verse 4. Surely he hath borne our, our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And you know, every single accusation that Satan brings against me or any other child of God is constantly, completely sufficiently met with Jesus' stripes. 
Every single one. (laughs) You go all the way back to Adam and all of his sins. He lived for over 900 years. How many sins do you think someone could squeeze into a 900-year life? (laughs) All the way to today and me and all of us here. Listen, and we can't, folks, there's no point in stopping there. Jesus didn't just die for the, for, for the redeemed's sake. He died for everybody. The Bible is very clear, and I look, looked at this passage yesterday, a pastor and I were talking about yesterday, about he is the Savior of all men, especially of them that believe. You know what that means? That he's the Savior of all men. And his blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary was shed to cleanse all men from their sins. Whether or not a man or a woman received Christ as their Savior, the blood was shed for them. And they can be clean and innocent and justified in God's eyes. It's their choice to accept or reject the the offered forgiveness and redemption. It's their choice to say, yes, I want that for my covering, my cleansing, my redemption. I want you to save me. Or if they say anything else, I don't think I'm that bad. I don't think I need a Savior. I'm not as bad as that person is. That person needs a Savior. And, of course, people aren't saying those exact words. I think probably if that ever happens, it must be one in a million. But essentially, it's what they're saying. I don't need the Savior. And the truth is, is they do need the Savior. Every man must be saved. And if you're not saved, then, well, it goes right back to what Christ said. In John, John uh, 3.18, he that believeth on him is not condemned. That's the promise. That's the premise. He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. That's what a great deal of the world, and uh, I can't help but feel like the, the, the discussion always comes back to America. When the, the, uh, the thought of religion comes up, people make their own case of what that means. Religion is something that you do so that you can be this. Very, I think it's very rare that people are understanding religion isn't religion for religion's sake. <laughs> we are sinners, and Jesus is the one who came and saved us, and we come here to worship Him, to praise Him for what He has done for me, and to praise Him with other believers who want to learn more and draw close to God and praise Him together. And so no matter the condemnation or who it comes from, whether it be Satan or another man, <laughs> the answer to, to every condemnation is the same. Jesus died for my sins, and he rose again for my justification. Yes, sir. Right. <laughs> that's exactly right. I mean, that, that's the I, and, you know, obviously the Bible says that Satan has blinded the eyes of them that, that don't believe. And so that that's a great deal of what's happening. But, yeah, you wonder, OK, why do you think Jesus died? <laughs> why do you think he suffered three days and three nights in the grave? And, folks, it is. Listen, it, I, I'm sure we all understand that what Jesus suffered goes far beyond his death. I mean, it wasn't even just death on the cross. It wasn't even the, the, the intense beating that he received from the Jews and the, hor- the horribly cruel treatment of the Romans. 
It wasn't just that. And folks, I think very clearly the Bible spells out, listen, it was a spiritual torture that he went through that was the worst part of what he suffered. I hadn't, oh my goodness, okay. Yes, that, that's all part of it. You know, my sin on him, separation from the Father. And, and the Lord Jesus said, Eli, Eli, I don't know, I can't say it, but uh, the, those words revealed the separation between the Father and the Son. And all these things are all for the purpose of that you and I can be justified and free from condemnation. Let me go back to Romans and read that again. Verse 34, who is he that condemneth? And, I, and folks, I just, I just thank God that this is in the Bible. <laughs> Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. And folks, I also think this is a very important point to note that almost every time Jesus' death in the Bible is mentioned, his resurrection is also mentioned. Because the victory wasn't complete in his death. It was complete in his resurrection. If Jesus had just been a man that died, he was not the Savior. But the fact that he died and rose in victory, and folks, his victory is our victory. And without that victory, there is no victory. And so it's important for us to, 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 to think in terms of always, you know, like, like Paul says, who, uh, verse 34, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. I think it's important to, to look at it that way and to, to realize that we should always mention Jesus' victory and resurrection with the death of, of Christ. And so his victory is our victory. Um, and I think that's, that's everything I wanted to say with verse 34. And I can't, uh, my goal was to finish this handout today. <laughs> and we didn't even come close. So let's go ahead and pray before the second person comes and tells me that I'm late. <laughs> thank you, Lord, for your goodness and mercy. And thank you, Lord, Lord Jesus, especially. We thank you for the victory that you gave to us through your victory on the cross. And uh, we thank you. You rose in victory over it, over death and hell and the grave and, and around over every voice that would condemn us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are our, our advocate. And we pray that you help us, Lord, to celebrate that truth every day. Help us to walk in the joy of the Lord and that other people see, Lord, you in us. And we pray that you please help us. We're very frail, very uh, flawed and very foolish so much of the time. And yet, uh, Lord, you've commanded us to be your people, your witnesses. And Lord, we pray that you would make every one of us into effective witnesses for you. And we thank you for what you do. Bless in the coming hour for your glory and for every person here according to the need. And we thank you and ask these things. Oh, please also bless uh, Miss Pat. Miss Sandy and Ray uh, with uh, their uh, their treatments, and we pray for their healing. And anybody else uh, dealing with uh, uh, sickness and cancer, we pray that you please help and heal them. And we thank you and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.